0: Let's start off. It's episode thirty-two, Tim, and episode we're on lo- location at Premium Hemp Growers with Mike Rodriguez. Hello, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. I mean, we're on location at your spot. I don't know. I mean, should we give a general? I don't want to tell people where we're at. Like, obviously, give an address, but like we're in Utah. I mean, just to give people an yeah. idea. I mean, I can see I-15 from here. Is yeah. that is that okay to say? Yeah. No, I absolutely. Mean, just kind we're, of, I mean,
1: you can kind of hear it. You might be able to hear it in the background. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah, No, we're Um, in sunny, sandy Utah.
0: Okay. Okay. I didn't
1: know. You know, I don't want people
0: to come here, but at the same time, it's so rad to know this is going on in our backyard, right? Like you have a beautiful indoor grow here with hemp. Correct. I mean, give us a rundown. What are you growing here, man? So
2: so we're currently running a few varieties. Obviously we have, obviously not. uh, Obviously to you. Yeah. No, I mean, for (laughs) real, right? So uh, we have day neutral varieties and then we have autoflower varieties and then we currently have about 30 of our... CBG that we are doing R and D on currently.
1: Okay, so you're growing hemp, not like low THC, less than point three percent, legal legal to grow without a medical cannabis like grow license, right? Correct. Okay, I just want to be clear for everybody, right? And can anybody do this? What part of it? That's a good. Well, in any part, okay. So let's start. You have to get a license, right? You have to get sure, a special you license. Have, you have
2: to get a license. I mean, it's not as easy as you may think in order to run a greenhouse per se. Yes, or even be successful at growing.
1: Oh no, that that part of it that that's a totally separate yeah. like, conversation. I just, I guess my question was, can you can can I grow a hemp plant in my backyard? Oh okay. no, okay. Now I understand. Yeah, your no, questions. not in the state.
2: Based on my understanding of state law, no, you'd have to uh, obtain a. A a permit, license, I a gotta have a permit a to grow
1: anything with the, with the, that's of the cannabis plant. Correct, at all, at all. Okay, so first off, I mean that I that's something, sure. And, and then it's difficult; it's not easy to grow like at this scale. You've got a you've got a big greenhouse here with beautiful plants. They're all growing well. It's all temperature controlled.
2: Yeah, so the greenhouse here we we've got it dialed into the point now where we control the relative humidity, temperature. Uh, that type of thing. We're currently running about 8,400 and something plants with this next run. We've got the entire greenhouse is planted. As you can see from the south side of the greenhouse, it's about a 30-day window in relation to the north as far as being planted earlier. That gives us an opportunity to get it pulled down harvest dried and cured
0: properly before our next round of harvestable flower is ready. So what are you going to do with all your hemp here? Like what what is this being grown for? So our listeners kind of get an idea what where this is going to be going. Sure, sure.
2: So our, our initial and our expectation is to enter uh, the flower market, albeit Utah is not necessarily the best for that, given that it's not legal to possess in relation to we can't grow it here and then take it to, say, the CBD vape shop and let them sell it. Uh, so there are avenues that are based in Utah, but it's through the Department of Ag Hemp Waste Program. Uh, but that being said, as you know, prior to last night, there were 33 states that do that do allow smokable flower. So you know, we could enter those markets. As- yeah,
0: didn't five states become legal?
1: Yeah, five and more Arizona's going to go uh, adult use. Montana's got a better program. They cha- they're changing the program all over the country. We'll we'll have to dial. We'll like dig into that. Yeah, maybe I'm mm.
0: even on another podcast. On the, hear, what about yeah. Oregon? You guys hear what happened in Oregon?
1: Oh yeah. Oh. Oregon you can possess a small amount yeah. of like all drugs. Yeah, or something.
0: decriminalized and then and then uh there's stuff, a couple of uh, like, yeah, laws that are going in. yeah, mushroom stuff with mental anyway, that's a yeah, whole nother yeah. oh, subject. My gosh, so like, much. You talked about it's exciting time to be alive with with everything with cannabis. No, it,
1: like, it
2: is. Uh, the thing with Montana, though, it's only open to—the recreational aspect is only open to Montana residents. Okay. Uh-huh. So you wouldn't be able to go up to Montana like you would be able to go to Nevada or Colorado and walk into a dispensary and purchase your your, your flower concentrates or vape carts or that type of thing.
1: But So with all of your flower, I, I find this just fascinating that the law doesn't allow you to, to sell a plant— that they already allow you to grow, process, and sell at the Walgreens with CBD or CBG. Or Maverick. Yeah, or, or, the, or the Maverick. And you can process the plant, you can make it into an oil, you can sell it all day long, but you want to just give the raw plant to people on the farmer's market? Nope, can't do it. That is so bizarre to me.
2: It, it is bizarre, and, and you know, especially for a medical market, because the the fastest way to ingest a... Cannabinoid typically is going to be through your lungs because of how it's processed through your blood vessels. That's why most people smoke cannabis. Uh, If you eat an edible, it processes through your liver and it takes 30 minutes or longer before it kicks in. Most most people. Sure. Sure. That being said, there's a reason why people smoke, right? Yeah. Uh, Same thing with CBD and or CBG. Uh, If you smoke the flower, you get the benefits instantaneously. So from a medicinal market standpoint, you would think that the state would allow you to be able to sell the smokable flower because it has 0.3% of THC or less
0: without any type of issues. But currently, that's not allowed. I know we've talked about this on other episodes, but can they do that in other states? Like can people in California, like if you were growing in California, could somebody pull up here and buy some of your product? No, no.
2: no. So, so we're not allowed to sell it in...
0: No, well, no, not in Utah, but I'm saying if you were in another state. You're, you're saying in oh, Utah yeah, yeah, you couldn't course. sell it, but I'm, what like I'm wondering is if, if, like, say, a hemp farmer in another state, oh, like, if he, let's say if yeah. you, that we were in Oregon, California, somebody could come here and buy it. So it. That's just a Utah lie is what you're saying, that they can't buy it in Utah. Pretty much. Did that, mean, make, it, I, am, 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 that makes sense? They sell, yeah. they they sell smokable
2: CBD flour in a lot of dispensaries okay. throughout okay. the country in recreational markets yeah. and or medicinal markets. Uh, there's There's actually... Slash jar dispensaries in theory, ones in Chicago that, you know, they'll have a wall with 50 varieties of CBD or CBG varieties. And you can walk in as long as you're 18 and above.
0: And it's like buying bulk candy. So why not here in Utah? That's what I'm wondering. Why can't right, we like do it here in not Utah? A,
1: there's a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum from under 0.3% all the way up to 30%. Correct. And right now we have a we have a huge gap in the market. Anything between 0.3 percent and roughly 20 percent, you can't get. Correct, right? You can't get a broad spectrum plant to to even vaporize. Like I'm not even talking about smoking with a flame. Even if Utah came up and said, "Okay, look, we don't like flames. There's no medical use of a flame." We've talked about this before. Yeah. You can just you can buy your CBG. CBG is good for pain. It's anti-inflammatory. It's helpful for depression in a lot of in a lot of people. It's there's a market for it,
2: and you would think that they would want to implement that into the market, right? I mean, if it has the benefits in which cannabis does, and they've already acknowledged that by implementing a medical marijuana program,
1: then why wouldn't they implement? So they do, an opportunity? They do should
0: just rewrite the law. Is that kind of what we need to? Needs I to think happen so. Here?
1: I mean, I think this this all comes down to the cannabinoid review board. Now we're talking about which you know, adjusts what cannabino- what cannabinoids are allowed, what levels are allowed, what you can do with them and, and whatnot. Is that, am I right? Like Yeah, no, you are. For example, the Delta-8, um, are you familiar with like what's going on with the Delta-8 argument? Yeah, whether I mean, it's psychoactive it, or not, whether you have to include it in your tests or not.
2: And it's currently not, luckily, right? Because then it could push you over the 0.3%. In the state of Utah, there's a 20% swing. So if you test at 032 you can't go to 0.35 and still be uh, legal in theory in the state's eyes or the Department of Ag's eyes, which is good. That being said, if you're at 0.34 and that 20% swing puts you over, then you got to destroy your crop. Mulch it or burn it or bury it, or, which seems ridiculous to me. Seems sure. crazy ridiculous.
1: That seems crazy. So Okay, so how long have you been growing cannabis?
0: Look at this is guy it, smiling over right. here. He doesn't want to give an answer. Uh, are you
2: sure? No, no. I, 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 start, I, started, I started growing cannabis when I was about 14. Yeah. Right where? No
0: one's going to get you. No one's. Yeah. Here.
2: <laughs> here in Utah. Correct. You grew up here? I did. Okay, nice. I grew up in Riverton. We had 165 acres. I had an older uncle that was into cannabis. And we would grow it in the ditch because we had to irrigate. And we were in charge of uh, bringing the water down from the canal to, to you know, water the fields. It wasn't any good. You you
1: literally grew ditchweed.
2: In theory, yes. At (laughs) fourteen.
1: At fourteen years old. In Riverton,
2: Utah. So then, you know, by twenty three, I was growing in my backyard, and then that led to an issue. That. uh, Yep. Okay. It was a little. It was a little. The issue was a little heavy. I'll say that. Um, That being said, we didn't have the resources at that time. To really know what we were doing. I mean, we relied no, on the High Times magazine this? that you would.
1: What, what year uh, are you, you know, what year are you 20?
2: I was 20. Geez, I was born in 76. So, so right. So you're, yeah.
1: you're, you're uh, barely tw- legal for medicinal use in California. I was 20. At the time. I was 20, 20. I was
2: 25 when, when the DEA came
0: to my house. Got it. The black Suburbans. A lot of people. Yeah. Well, you got a heavy story. I don't know how deep you want to get here. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's fine.
2: I mean, it, it, you, you got to think that was 19 years ago. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, right? yeah.
1: But that's where you learned to grow cannabis was was through that experience. And then th- th- how did this transition?
2: Well, I learned to grow cannabis from, from family members, older family members that had been growing before I was born. Uh, that's how I learned to grow. That being said, it was more guerrilla farming, growing in the Cottonwood Canyons or the West Face, the Farmington Canyon, uh, that type of thing. So that was pretty indicative at the time of how do you do it? I mean, they didn't have ballasts that you would be able to utilize in your grow tent. They didn't have LEDs that you could utilize to grow in a grow tent. They didn't have grow shops. They didn't have hydro shops. Uh, If you were lucky to get a High Times magazine mailed to you, uh, it would come in like three different packages And, and, you know, that was pretty much how you got the information that you could get other than maybe if you knew somebody, which I did, that would help facilitate teaching you the tricks of the trade. That being said, what I learned then is a lot different than what I know now, just given the advancement with people coming out of the shadows in theory, it allows more people to collaborate and share experiences and kind of feed off one another what works what doesn't work you know in for instance in this greenhouse you know one of the things that we had to figure out once we got in here and started growing is we had to dial in the space in relation to heat for instance do we have hot spots do we have too much humidity in one area of the greenhouse versus another area of the greenhouse and how to mitigate that because if we have an issue where it's too hot in one particular area the plants aren't going to do as well so now we have resources or people that you can go to that are more in line in relation to greenhouse specifically and how they work and airflow and that type of thing where you didn't have that ability 25, 30 years ago. So, you know, we did what we did back then. It was merely an opportunity to grow
0: a plant that we wanted to grow, love to grow. Do you think most of the people that are, cause you were, you were mentioning people coming out of the shadows and, and, you know, you've been growing for, for, quite a while and there's a lot of people that you're connecting with now, do you find most of them to be old timers or do you find most of them to be young millennials that are like, just got introduced to cannabis last year and they're like, oh, this is wild. You know, it's like, it seems like mostly old timers kind of, right? I, I would think, especially in, well, no, ne- not necessarily. Not necessarily.
2: I, I would have to say that the there is, there is that age gap between yeah. my age and older people. I would, I would imagine it's probably in a 70 to 30% okay. split with most people being... Under 35. Because it just seems like to grow good quality stuff,
0: you have, to, you
2: have to know what you're doing. You have to have a passion for it. Okay. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. I mean, anybody can throw a plant in the ground. That doesn't mean it's going to produce. Doesn't mean it's going to be any good. Doesn't mean it's going to be a female, for instance. I you, you mean, doesn't mean you know how to look for aphids or spider mites or russet mites or thrips. I mean, these are all things that you learn. I can spot an aphid or a thrip or a spider mite in question without using a loop. Uh, those are just things that you just kind of get to a point where, you know what you're looking
0: at and looking for. Yeah,
2: and I, it's not just something I can do. I mean, most growers can, or should be able to.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering though. Like, I mean, within times, it would seem like you would need to put some time in to get really good at the craft. Though, does that make sense? Like, oh, I sucked at it.
1: You you think you suck at it? No, no, not now. Not now. No, no. I, oh, did. I was going to say <laughs> no, no, like, I you did. did when you <laughs> did. You do you feel like. How many crops have you done here at the greenhouse? Uh, this would be our second full crop.
2: In theory, it's our fourth because we plant in, we plant the South and then the North and then the South and the North. So this would be, let's say two, this is our second crop, full crop.
1: Is the second crop way better than the first? Sure. I mean, it's just kind of skipping questions, but sure. why, why here? Why CBD? Like, why are, why are you doing this?
2: Well, because we see the value in um, the medicinal aspect of CBD and or CBG and being that the flower product is the fastest and cleanest way of getting that medicine. Because in theory, that's what we're growing. We're growing medicine. It's not we're growing gummies that they sell at the convenience store, right? So uh, there's a benefit into what we're producing and the reason why we chose to produce it the way that we are versus in a greenhouse, we can control... The fertilization from plant one to plant 5003 and ensure that they're all getting the exact same amount of nutrients, the exact same amount of water at any given time. Whereas if we weren't in such a controlled environment, we wouldn't necessarily have that ability. You know, if you're running 10, 15, 20, 40, 50 acres, how do you know or how can you be ensured that every plant that you're producing is equal? And that's our goal. Our goal is to produce an equal and consistent product.
0: Why grow in Utah though? Why, why? Like, it sounds like you're excited to start growing when you had the opportunity to grow hemp. Why, why even try to battle the legal system here? Cause to me, it seems like it would be a pain in the butt. Like it would be a lot easier to go to another state to grow. Why grow here in Utah? Well,
2: I think Utah is a, a great market. It's in its infancy stage. So if you get in now on the ground floor in theory, and you work your way up, it puts you in a better position to move on to bigger and better things. Whereas if you were to say, go to Colorado, you're one of
0: like a little speck of dust, 30,000,
2: you know, growers. I don't know how many licensed growers there are there, but that's pretty much what the, you know, the difference is. We live here. Yeah. Born. I was born and raised here. Although I've spent a lot of time in Northern California, that being said, uh, why not do it in
0: Utah? Oh, no, sure, sure. And I don't no, mean that. I, I, it's just more of one of those things. Like, it's it's interesting when I ask people that because there's a reason. and And I almost, it becomes a very passionate reason almost, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just like people in other states just wake up one day and they're like, "Oh, I should be a, you know, a hemp grower, or, you know, start. It's like you have a reason for it, right? Like it's 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 a passion like you were saying versus yeah. just a job."
2: No, I actually, you know, I really believe in the fact that the the medicine that we're producing will have great results for the people that are utilizing it and hopefully they amend the law that will allow the smokable flower to be more accessible to the people that want to use smokable Flour versus cannabis, you know, for instance, if you want to, if you're having a terrible day and you want to roll or to it in your, you know, your vaporizer and smoke it that way versus getting high at the job side or, you know, while you're running errands or that type of thing, why not allow them to have that ability versus forcing them not to or whatever yeah. the op- other options are, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think other growers in the medical marijuana space in Utah. I mean, they can't say that they're they they can say or they can argue that they're all for the medicinal qualities of THC. But you don't get the benefit here of that the high THC that everybody knows about. They know what they're they know the experience, you know. And there's a huge market for THC. Uh, you're at a I guess at a disadvantage in that sense. But it makes you have to. It makes you have to be better at your craft, I would say, to grow smokable CBG or to grow smokable flour like high-quality CBD flour because there's no getting around the fact that this isn't getting you high. Yeah. Right? This is going to treat a condition potentially, make you feel better, but this isn't getting you high.
2: No, and it's incredibly different. I mean, for instance, let's look at it from this perspective. So in the cannabis market... You're really trying to grow, especially in Utah's market, because they don't test for terpenes and it's not something that they really push on to the patients and that type of thing. You're really trying to grow the highest amount of THC product. So when they're marketing their materials to Instagram or wherever it is, you know, on the little place cards at the pharmacies, most people are going in there and trying to buy the the highest amount of THC product. Where in a hemp or CBG grow, CBG not as much, but definitely on a a hemp CBD grow, you're trying to avoid those high levels. So you really have to dial in your nutrients and your stresses and you really have to put more emphasis on ensuring that although you want to get it as high as possible on the CBD aspect of it, that you're not going the other way, which would be too much THC, which would in theory destroy your entire crop. Whereas in the medical cannabis space, it's, let's just. The hotter, the better. Let's go for it. Yeah. Let's just push, 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 which is exciting. I mean, that really is exciting, you know, because really you can really test your skills and abilities at that point because there's nothing holding you back. The state doesn't come in and say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's too much THC. <laughs> <laughs> let's throw that, <laughs> away. let's yeah. throw that away. That's, that's not what they're, they're doing. Let's too put hot. that in my
1: pocket. <laughs> come on, you right? guys. Do you-, you want to get into the medical medical marijuana market?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that should be the end goal for for any passionate grower. Uh, really, I mean, if you enjoy what you're doing and you're relatively good at it and are going to continue to get better at it, which you should be able to continually get better as you go, uh, that yeah, that definitely is something that we're interested in.
0: Here's a here's a question. I I, I don't know if we've ever asked this uh, to any growers. We haven't we haven't talked to a lot of growers, but. I see a lot of people here in Utah interested to get involved in the industry, right? Maybe start growing or learning. Where would they start, man? Like, where's a good place? Like, say even myself, right? Like, let's say uh, I was interested in learning the craft of growing hemp. Where do you start? I mean, could I hit somebody like you up and say, apprentice me? Teach me? Yeah, if we certainly were in the position where we were taking on... yeah
2: people that wanted to learn or you know if they wanted to intern that type of thing yeah there's different growth schools for instance in Oakland there's a place called uh, uh I, I, Oaksterdam no, no, Oaksterdam yeah right. yeah yeah its just totally it's yeah up. so Oaksterdam they had in in-person learning they have online learning now but something like that is a great place to go uh if you don't
0: have anybody to kind of walk yeah. you through. Well, and a lot of people aren't lucky like that. They don't have a rad uncle like you do, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's yet to be seen how rad he was.
2: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think dispensaries. We have, we have all these resources here too. I mean, look at Utah state university is yeah. one of the, is one of the top U S farm schools in yes. the nation. You know why we're not utilizing that resource for cannabis growth Like grow schools and a grow program, that seems like a no-brainer. A program that they would put together at at Utah State, and they probably will. Well, you you,
2: you would think that an agricultural-based school like Utah State would be a great place that would have
1: like an extension program down here. You know, in it right here where you could come down, you could take your extend your education, you could pay, you could learn about it, like growing tomatoes. Yes, right. Like you want to get really good at growing tomatoes, you could take a master gardener class from Utah State. <laughs> and why not? Yes, here i to smoke some of my good stuff here. Right, oh, like hey, we got some CBG, some CBD. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Well, Let's huh? do it. Go pitch it to him. Maybe? Yeah, there you could, go. Could
0: you go sell the class to him? Like, go sell the idea. Like, tell him. No, say, a guy like it? Mike could. Oh, guy like me.
1: Mike. Me. I'll take it. I'll Just... take the class. Mike could teach the class.
0: So we we haven't mentioned Ryan next to you. He's not he's not recording with us right now because uh, we didn't have enough microphones. But what is it? Just the two of you running this place, or what? No,
2: there's
1: there's three families involved, three okay. partners that are running it. So there's the two of you, and who's the third? Is it the silent partner? Got it. It is a silent partner. There's always that silent partner. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He, yeah it's kind of like does Casper the ghost exist? Is he really there? Type of thing. All yeah, right. He is.
1: Yeah. Well, you need. I mean, this. This needs some funding here. We're looking around. This is a big, this is a pretty big operation, even though it's a, it sits on a small piece of ground.
2: It was a huge undertaking to get it ready and to get to where we've gotten. You know, the fact that we have an on site drying facility, which is pretty unique for a greenhouse. For instance, typically you don't have those types of spaces where you can dry and cure and process your material or flour and be able to control the environment because greenhouses have huge fluctuations in humidity. Uh, temperature swings, you know, for instance, if it's cold outside, you know, we do, luckily enough, we are set up with heaters, you know, like gas heaters, that type of thing. So we can mitigate all of that. It's not atypical, especially in Utah. For instance, you know, if you are into Salinas, for instance, uh, greenhouses are a dime a dozen. And so therefore they're set up for that type of industry. Whereas in Utah, I mean, we looked for about a year before we found this one. So it wasn't something that we just stumbled into. It, it was Castledale or here, if I remember correctly.
0: What was hard about finding a place? Finding a place that would rent to you, or just finding the perfect location that would
2: finding finding a location that would work based on our wants and needs. Uh, we wanted to be able to grow outdoor and also indoor. Uh, the proximity to where we're at in relation to the city. Uh, we're lucky enough here at this particular location that we do have a workshop. We do have storage. We do have an office. We do have a a processing room, which we're going to be a licensed processor, not necessarily for extractions, but for flour. It, it kind of fits all of the needs that you would typically have to build out for, but we already found it. Yeah. Versus you know, most greenhouses have to be constructed from ground up and or their hoop houses. And there's a, there's a huge distinction between a hoop house and a greenhouse. What's a, what a hoop house? What's a hoop house? A hoop house, I mean, it could be as, as you know simple as running PVC, 20-foot okay. pieces, and then dragging your visqueen across the top of it, staking it down on the outside, and then throwing a sign on it that says greenhouse. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, some people do that. It's not, but. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not what you have here. Yeah,
2: no. So, I mean, it works. Hoop houses work. There, there's nothing wrong with them. But you don't have any kind of environmental controls that you know that we're able to utilize
1: here. Talk about the market a little bit. It seems like everybody wants to get into hemp farming. You know, like we were talking about before we started recording. You have there's definitely other hemp farmers in the state. We've recorded with with uh, Ung Family Farms. Um, you, you know, you get texts once in a while. You were talking about a guy who needs a place to dry a bunch of of product. Why is there such a, a rush to get into this space. And it seems like without the infrastructure to support it, like these guys are out lopping plants off with, with, um, you know, hand by hand.
2: Yeah, no, it wasn't really something you, you could get into until about a year and a half, two years ago when, when the farm bill was passed. So it really opened up the door for people that couldn't or didn't necessarily know how to grow cannabis. So, for instance, if you wanted to start at the, the bottom, in theory, and work your way up, you wouldn't be able to start in cannabis because the licenses simply aren't available. Uh, where with hemp or CBD or CBG, it allows more people to do it. The relation to being passionate about growing, for instance, I can assure you unequivocally, there is a lot of people that grow that you don't know are growing. Oh, yeah. In the sure. garage, in their basement, in their Nevada apartment. Uh, in their downtown
0: Salt Lake City apartment. Sure. Oh, I
1: mean yeah. there's an entire industry of products that are designed to put right in your garage that correct that, that fit exactly for some reason a storage unit. Yeah. And there's so yeah, there's there's plenty of people out there growing for the for the so-called hobby, quote unquote oh. hobby. Quote, quote unquote, unquote
2: hobby. And so and now you can get a license if you have the space and once again, come out of the shadow in theory and really put together the ability to maybe showcase what you're passionate about. So not everybody that grows is going to be able to grow a product. I mean, if you miss something and your crop gets infested, then you're pretty much done. I mean, there's really, especially if you're growing outdoors, for instance, if you're planting in fields and you miss it, that's the only shot you plant in the spring. You have your plants in by June. What's there by October is there by October. And if it's gone because you got spider mites, caterpillars, aphids, or you know, your watering, your irrigation wasn't on point, it's toast. So, it, you know, it, there is some downside to growing on a larger scale without yeah. really knowing
0: what you're doing. Is it tough to keep all those spiders and or caterpillars and aphids and stuff off? Is that a pretty tough thing? Because you brought that up a couple of times. I'm wondering if it's if no,
2: no yeah. I mean, to- it, it would be, t- you know, we don't, you're not going to run into those types of issues in the greenhouse if you if you have a good IPM. Okay. So if your IPM is pretty straightforward, then you're good. That being said, how do you, how do you mitigate caterpillars on 10 acres? I, I mean, even if you walked that field daily,
0: you're not going to get them all off. Yeah. No,
2: you're not going to get them all off. And they all start, you know, a speck of dust before you know it, they're eating two thirds of your plant. Or aphids, for instance, I mean only, you know one of the best ways of checking for aphids is being on top of what you're doing and checking the leaves or and, and notif- noticing bite marks on your leaves or that type of thing uh, you know from thrips how are you gonna do that when you've got twenty thousand plants stretched across twenty acres yeah, uh, so most of the product typically grown outdoors you know uh, ends up in extractional purposes, isolates, distill it. That type of thing. Very cool.
1: This is kind of a weird question. I don't know whether or not you want to answer this question, but can you can a guy make as much money growing legal hemp as he can growing illegal cannabis? Well, that's a... T- <laughs> okay, let's hear that question again because you went somewhere else I didn't think Yeah, of. say that
0: one again, too. Yeah, let's hear that one I again. I
1: mean, we're talking to Mike... Who okay. <laughs> used to grow ditchweed in Utah. Well, come on now. I was 14. Yeah. That was the way come, of getting know, water.
2: Come on. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't mean to say that as like who you who you are now. Yeah. You have come all this way yeah. to be what, what I would consider looking around here and talking to you, what I would consider to be a master grower of the cannabis plant. Okay. But you have come, you came all the way from the bottom. Sure. Right. And you learned all of this in the, well, a lot of what you learned was in the black market. Absolutely. Okay, right? And As most as growers, most that, growers we've to, yeah. that we've talked to, that I know, that, that, that are in this space now. So totally hats off to you for getting here with essentially having to force your way through an education that wasn't offered publicly, right? You took a lot of risks so now you're, now everybody wants you to grow cannabis in a legal way. Like the market needs you, the patients need you. So what makes you decide, look, I can grow, you know, I want to grow here. I want to grow legally versus that other side of the coin where people are growing in their, you know, they're growing in their basement or their apartment and they're growing illegally. There's money to be made there too. Does that thought process cross your mind? Is that those opportunities are there for somebody like you. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, it did at one point, which
2: led me into the situation that I ended up in at the time. That being said, uh, no, not anymore. There's there's a great opportunity in doing it, the legal aspect, within the boundaries of what's set forth versus trying to circumvent the law in relation to being able to grow.
1: Okay, so, that that is the answer that I was asking for. was, And that was clear. You... It it's clearly a decision of no, the legal way to do this is the right way to do it. It's what I want to do. Oh yeah. And I mean, there's more opportunity now in the legal path.
2: I'll be honest with you. You know, when when you're growing and you're growing when you're not supposed to be growing, and you end up in a situation that I ended up in, it will it will kind of put everything into perspective in relation to is it worth it? Yeah. Right? Because uh, anytime you end up on the federal government's radar, uh, you you quickly realize that they don't just hear about you and come knock on your door. No, they sit in the cut and they wait and wait and watch and wait and watch. And when they come, there's not really much to argue at that point because they have enough information about you. Uh, that's Pretty traumatizing, to be honest with you. So
0: then you get an opportunity like this. I could see how this is great. You know, like hey, I can yeah. grow some legal hemp, right? And it's, it's, like, it, like I don't have to worry. I can have my garage door up here. You know, yeah. Like
2: it, it took some getting. I'll be honest. It took some. It, it took some getting used to for, for the first few months. Did like it? I was still. Oh yeah, no. I mean, really. Like it's my experience. I've never forgotten. So, you know, it's still. It's still. It's kind of a precursor to how I move now in relation to your question. Would I do it illegally? No,
1: not necessarily. Not not given what's at stake so not given who you are now and the fact that you can wear a PhD t-shirt that's right right and, and come and go freely yeah and not you know I mean you can come to work and it smells like hemp in here there's no, it, there's it no looks question. like
2: it looks like cannabis it smells like cannabis and if dried and cured properly it should taste close to cannabis
0: do you, do you get I mean, does the local police ever bother you here? Do they ever like roll up and be like, Hey, what's going no, on here? No,
2: no, no. We haven't had any issue with the police. You know, uh, we did, we were, we were robbed at one point yeah, you're and man, yeah. uh, they had came over and they were unaware that it was here. But, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, <I> know.
1: <laughs> They're like, Oh, but what, what that, is that going Being on said, here? Like you
2: said, you, I mean, you can't smell it from a block away, two blocks uh, away. So I, you know, it's just one of those things where they've been incredibly great to deal with.
0: It's a different time. Yeah, no, no, no. Exactly. I was just wondering what that felt like. You know, to be like, hey, look at this. Uh, you know, you can legally I, it, show I, it to him. You know, it's kind of, yeah, you know, it's like a proud moment. Sure, right? Like, right? You when have you to, get robbed and you call the police and you're, in yeah, a, yeah, like that's goodness, who you right? call. Like that's who. <laughs> you that, call?
1: That, 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 that's who, and,
2: and then and then, and, now, and now you're in a situation where you're like relying on law enforcement to settle something like that, which isn't typically indicative. You get robbed typically in a black market situation. A you're not calling to the police and B, you're probably handling that on your own. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, this is this is that's another reason
0: to make it legal in my opinion. It really is. Because it would it would save a lot of problems to just, hey, let the law enforcement handle this. Right. Like let's just be out in the open. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise people are getting probably killed too. But it's it's an incredibly different time. I mean, really
2: like law enforcement's attitude has changed. I mean, you used to go to jail for an eighth of weed, and and now I I don't have that issue.
0: But I imagine they don't even take you to jail for an eighth of weed. Yeah, they might. They might if you. Don't, I mean, I I don't know. It depends on the the police, I guess. If, yeah, but, I but, think it know. depends
1: on all kinds of things now. Maybe.
0: Maybe if you were in like Harriman versus downtown, so sure. like, oh that, or that, that, that's Or just coming back from dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, somewhere like 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 Provo versus you know. Uh, A more liberal city in Utah, I guess. Yeah, no, I I imagine, you you know, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, where would you like to see this? You mentioned you would like to eventually grow in medical, like uh, medical marijuana. You would like to eventually. I mean, would you like to, I mean, where would you like to go with this? I mean, do you care to talk about that at all? Like where the big dreams are?
2: Well, That's that's kind of the end goal, right? I mean, if, if you're passionate about what you do and you don't want to be throttled by the state law in relation to being able to grow 0.3% and being able to help people with the same kind of medicine that we're already producing here, mm-hmm. then yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to me, given the fact that that's what I'm passionate about. So that that is definitely the end game for us now, whether or not that comes to fruition in, in the next year or two years, you know, I, I don't get to dictate when the legislature will open up more licenses and who will be allocated those licenses. But I think we would like to be in a position where if and when that we're ready.
0: Now, is that more of a money thing or is that more of a, like a skill level? Like how do you get a license to grow medical cannabis, medical marijuana? Like, is well, that- I,
2: I wouldn't be able to speak on it okay. to like how they, how they award licenses. And we
0: might've talked about that. That, that being too. said,
2: I, I think it really comes down to, for instance, let's utilize what we're doing here. Yeah. So we're set up more of a cannabis grow. So our environment's controlled Our fertilization is controlled. Our temperatures are controlled. Same with our drying facility. That's not atypical in a hemp grow. And if we can facilitate by proving that we can work in those parameters that are set forth by the Department of Ag, I imagine, now this is me imagining, that I imagine that that would provide fruitful for us, given the fact that the same people that are in charge of the hemp program are the same individuals that are in charge of the medical cannabis program. So whether it's, it's Mike Lee who comes out and does an inspection here, he's also the same inspector that's going to go to a medical cannabis and inspect there. And so not everybody follows the guidelines, let's just say that. And, and I know that to be true. Yeah. So And maybe they're not interested in entering the medical cannabis. We are. So, we're going to do everything and anything we can to ensure that we're working within the perimeters that are set forth. Right on. That's
1: cool. Where can we get, uh, I mean, can we buy premium hemp products? Can we, is there something, an end product where we can go find your, your flour? So, we're, right now we're in the infancy stage of being able to, to sell our products. Like I stated before,
2: uh, you can get your product into the dispensaries in relation to if they're selling smokable flour through the Department of Ag's hemp waste program. Uh, other than that, you would have to go online to order it. And we're currently working with partners in relation to getting our products on their sites. Do you have a website or anything
0: that we could send listeners to? Or- so
2: we currently do have a website. We don't have anything for sale on the website. We're still trying to navigate how to facilitate not breaking the law sure. in relation to right. if we have Utah patrons on how to get it back to Utah. And, and there are already websites established that are selling out of state hemp flower to Utah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, maybe they're not interested in entering the medical cannabis market here in Utah at some point. So maybe they don't care. Do we just
1: find you at premium
2: hemp growers? Uh, currently on Instagram and then, uh, the website,
0: uh, Phg Hemp is our website. Phghemp.com. Correct. Okay, okay. Just to just to send the listeners. Perfect. And then check out the. I mean, your Instagram's beautiful. I, I was yeah, talking to Tim. I was like, who are we talking to? He sent me the Instagram. I was like, wow, this is great. I gotta check this place yeah. out. Yeah, that, you you that, guys that, do a great job. E- even that's like difficult for me to like post pics. Is you it?
2: Know? Oh yeah, because it's like I'm from a different time. You know what I mean? Like yeah.
0: so more of a nervous yeah. reason. Absolutely. More, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, yeah. then a pride thing. It's oh, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah.
2: no. For instance, like when I first Went to a hydro shop in Utah in Vineyard was the first one I went to. You know, I took a car that I was test driving and I drove that over to the spot. <laughs> it went inside, you know, using that. because I was like, are they watching? Like, you know, who the, they are, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, only because of my past experience, sure. right? And Utah is not, even at the, at that time, Prop 2 wasn't, you know, voted in and it wasn't coming and it wasn't something that was, you know, like... Yeah. You know, accepted by, I would have to say, a good majority of the people now are pretty accepting of cannabis. I mean,
0: is that pretty surprising to you? I mean, because for being in Utah as long as you have been, I mean, to see now there's, you know, medical cannabis in Utah.
2: I'm surprised by the demographic. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, when you're young and you're a kid and you're like throwing the cares to the wind, yeah, I mean, there's always, that's always to be expected. But that's not, atypical of the, the card holders, yeah, you right. know, they're mature, mature, you know, what what, what did you say,
1: Tim, the average age is? Well, I mean, the average age of our, of our patients are, is over 40. The median age of my patients is 38. Uh, yeah. The average age, for example, of my female patients is nearly 45, 44.8. Um, and, you know, I think my My average age is a little – the average age of the patients that we take care of is a little higher Um, in general just because of how – I don't know. It's just because of how we're set up and maybe it's because of the cost or maybe because it's the presentation or maybe because we we tend to know about the dosing and we can help a little bit older crowd with their dosing and their delivery and walk them through. But yeah, it's definitely not – You know, it's not a 23-year-old – um patient, you know that's not the average patient in Utah,
2: yeah, so that demographic surprised me just given my age group, yeah right in in relation to what?
1: well, and the average um you know the average cannabis user is younger,
2: yeah, absolutely um,
1: nationwide much younger than than our average patient, which yeah, all of these things are interesting, the Department of Health has some statistics on their website for, uh, you know, why patients are getting cards and where those cards are located. And it's, it's interesting to, to go through some of that data now that they have, I think 12, 13,000 card holders, and we can start to see the trends, uh, in the space, but people are looking for, people are really talking about CBG in clinic. I had a conversation about that today, I had a telemedicine visit uh, with a renewal patient the other day talking about CBG, when it's going to be available here in the products, in the dispensaries too. Um, So we need more of it. We need more growers like you that get access into the medical space, not even with THC products, but with these products you have already to add to the tinctures and to add to this, this, this need. And that's, kind
2: of our, and that's kind of our goal. Our goal is to fulfill that need. Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, if you want to separate your cannabis and implement a CBD or CBG percentage of it, in theory, like a one-to-one, for instance, you can still do that with a smoking capability. You don't have to just rely on a vape cartridge or a tincture to get a one-to-one, whereas you don't currently have that ability because it's not something that is allowed by state. So, the, right. the it's state. so
1: it's so crazy to me that I can go buy a one-to-one CBD to THC product, but I can't buy CBD flower and, and THC flower and then just mix them myself Sure, and, and you make would, a one-to-one product. That just seems reasonably. And we're kind of hoping to, we're to kind think. of
2: hoping to establish relationships with the, the dispensaries and, and, you know, open up to you know a more partnership based type of deal in relation to the fact that we can fulfill a need that's clearly there.
1: Yeah, it is there.
2: I understand that they're not going to be focusing on the CBD and CBG because they're in the middle of growing and producing the best possible flower that they can that their customers also want and need. That's where we come in because that's what we're specializing in currently is the, is the flower and the smokable flower, the CBG and CBD varieties that provide a lot of medical benefits without the getting you high
1: aspect, right? Oh, this has been awesome, Chris. So awesome! I've learned a lot. Thank you for booking this, Tim. Well, I appreciate Ryan reaching out to me and getting us down here. All right. Well, thank you,
0: Ryan. And we will come back and record with you. I
1: yeah, mean, one we, day we, we will come. Back. We'll wait till your next crop's ready. Yeah. I mean, we'll come down and ha- help.
0: Yeah, man. Learn uh, how to trim a little. Could I come down? I mean, I would no, love no, to absolutely. learn. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks for coming. I, I mean, I,
2: it was in, I was incredibly nervous. Like I'd never yeah. even like talking about a steel is kind yeah. of you know that's yeah.
1: a little weird. I I could tell. I mean, I was. Sorry I I I'm really uh, interested in these stories that people yeah. have that we get to meet Chris yeah. and all and where people come from to get into this space.
2: Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, really uh you just never you, you don't really when you when you're growing in relation to when you're not supposed to be growing, you don't realize what they'll go to the, you know, the lengths in which they'll go to to allow you to do that just so they can come back and show you what they've been watching you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you learned a lot
1: during that experience. That's yeah, for sure. It,
2: it was uh, an experience for sure. How can people get a
0: hold of you, Tim? Let's wrap this With episode me, up here.
1: It's always org, Chris, and uh you can look us up there, chat with us online. Uh, if you have a letter, just know that we have uh, a letter to card program. Dragonfly and Perfect Earth are not accepting letters anymore, I think, uh, or working towards getting you, forcing people to get their cards. So, Oh, wow. So, so they're not they're taking pushing, letters. Yeah. yeah, they're pushing people into the card system so that everybody knows we start a, an educational series that's in partnership with Zion Medicinal. Uh, that will be released. The first videos will be released on the 21st of November. Okay. So wait, wait,
0: back up a little. So you're making some videos, some educational yes. videos.
1: So uh, Discover Marijuana is the name of the video series. It will be on YouTube. Okay. And me and Blake Smith, the chief science officer from Zion.
0: We had him on episode four. So yes. go back and listen to that episode. Yep.
1: And uh, we'll be putting together some some uh, science meets the meets the medicine instructional videos kind of on the marijuana plant and how it can help people and kind of just breaking down, breaking down frequently asked questions, basically. And this, when did you say this is coming out? The 21st of November. So just in time for
0: Thanksgiving. Yep. Just in time. Put it on the YouTube to show your family, right? That's right. (laughs) You can show
1: your family at dinner and you'll find all of that on utellmarijuana.org. Very cool. And you got the three
0: locations. How's all that going? You got your oh, it's three, going great. three locations. West
1: Valley, the one right across from Beehive Pharmacy, yeah. uh, that has become, it's a great place for people, especially with letters who want to convert uh-huh. to a card, just walk over, get help. Um,
0: and then get product.
1: Yeah. And then get product. And a lot of new patients want to go there because they can walk across the street once they get their letter. And beehives and awesome too, be- and beehives great. Yeah, great. Yeah. We had Bujon
0: last week on the podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. So all of the locations are great. You know, we're we're trying to really dial in this uh, system for patients so that it's easier for them. Um, but it's yeah, it's going great. Hold on. How one, about you, Chris? Hold on one second here. Let's let this. That truck one's a little pass. loud. Yeah, that one's a little loud here.
0: I'm gonna let you say that one more time here. To uh, how it, about yeah how about you chris and you can you can find my other podcast iam go subscribe to that we've been talking to uh, a lot of rad people uh in the food industry i'm just i think we talked about that last time how i'm trying to pump them out for the holidays and uh whatnot because i mean as we know there's a lot of crappy stuff going on in the world and we need to support our local food businesses absolutely so anyway mike yes thank you anything else you want to add thank you for letting us come to your spot we kind of we kind of Tim and I started yapping Yeah, no, you know no, about everything, no, I mean, but really, uh, I just,
2: uh, I'm grateful that you guys came. Thank you for coming. Yeah, uh, I was really nervous. So yeah, it's our pleasure. Yeah.
0: Anything, anything more you want to add? Anything you want to talk about with the medical cannabis or anything? Just to add or anything? Anything more Nothing? Anything? Any I
2: mean I'll add I, don't know. I mean I I'll add, add anything you want. No, I, mean, I didn't know if you uh, had any more Want to more know about what I got rated?
0: I, uh, I mean no. I mean like uh. no, 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 no. <laughs> We can talk about that on another episode. Yep. I just didn't know if you wanted to offer any final words or or any uh, your website again go check that out, you know. Yeah, our uh, website is phghemp.com uh, and our
2: Instagram is premiumhempgrowers. Very cool. Cool. Very cool. Stay
1: safe out there everybody.
2: Thanks guys. Thanks.